Morning, church family. Those here present and also those at home, we miss you guys. This morning, uh, I'll be sharing regarding the Lord's second coming, and Bruce Brown will be following up with uh, the judgment, uh, judging of the living and the dead. Uh, so I'll try not to step into uh, Bruce's section too much, but of course, the second coming and judgment are closely tied together. And uh, as always, I, I certainly do appreciate Adam, uh, John, Bruce, and Bruce, the guys who normally bring us a message. They do a great job. I'm thankful for them. And after today, I'm sure that you'll be more thankful for them also. <laughs> but at the same time, uh, I am humbled. Uh, what an undeserved honor it is to speak God's word, his message of truth to those that he loves, the church. And uh, that, uh, please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, uh, may you use even me to speak your truth to those that you created, loved, and died for, Lord. May uh, you be lifted high. May your truth be spoken. May it uh, be received. Uh, and Lord, we thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. So what's the problem? I mean, didn't Jesus already come to earth? Didn't he come to earth as a baby? Uh, he was rejected. He suffered. He died uh, for our sins so we could be reconciled with God. Indeed, he did. Uh, he did that to greatest need, to be reconciled with God, to be forgiven of our sins, something we cannot do for ourselves, that we were, we were dead in our sins, had no hope apart from Christ and the provision he made for us. He's already done that. Uh, in John 19, 13, while Jesus was on the cross, he said, it is finished. He completed that work. It's done. Uh, praise God. Uh, so once again, what's the problem? Romans 8, 22 through 23 tells us, for we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. So they, it's oftentimes referred to as groaning or moaning, the whole creation. Uh, we can see it all around us. It's inescapable. Earthquakes, hurricanes, fire, tornadoes, tsunamis. More personal and closer, cancer, viruses, pain, ailments of every kind, and, and even death. So it's uh, inescapable. Uh, this world uh, is not as it should be, not as it was intended. And what about us? In Mark 7, 21 through 23, Jesus said, For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these things come from within and they defile a person. So the corruption is in the world and it's in us. Uh, it's everywhere. We can't escape it. The, the things we do to each other are uh, appalling at times and we even uh, brag about it, justify it, uh, 
it's just the, definitely not the way it should be. And if we ever, in our pride and conceitedness, doubt that, we need only to ask those that we are closest to, uh, those that we love the most, that are closest to us, because that's who we're usually ugliest to. And uh, it's not as it should be. Uh, we're usually ugly, ugliest to the people we love the most and are closest to, and then also on social media, of course. <laughs> so why is that? Second Corinthians 4.4 4 says, In their case, the God of this world has blinded their minds of the unbelievers, blinded the minds of the unbelievers, to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Of course, pointing out, that's God with a little g, not, not the God, not our God, that's God with a little g of this world. John 12, 31 also says, now is the judgment of this world, now will the ruler of this world be cast out. The Bible calls the devil the God with a little g of this world, also the prince of the world, this world, and the ruler of this world. Uh, so, it's inescapable. We, the world is fallen in a fallen state. Our, we are in a fallen state. First um, Peter 5, 8 says, uh, Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. We're reminded that the uh, devil, that, no, they're speaking to Christians, of course, to believers there. Uh, we're, we're reminded to be on guard you know, the world is corrupted, our hearts are corrupted, the devil's seeking to destroy us. It's a call for us to run to God, to seek God, to seek his word, to be in prayer, uh, not to look at the world and nonchalantly. We're in a battle, we're called to respond, and we need uh, the help of our Savior and God. Back in, uh, in the book of John, when Lazarus has passed away, uh, Jesus is there, of course, with Mary and Martha, and Jesus knows he's about to call Lazarus out of the grave. But yet, it says in, in John eleven thirty five, Jesus wept. He knew he was about to walk back out of the grave. Why does he weep? Because it's broken. The world is broken. There's death. There's dying. There's sadness. Lazarus was going to die again. Martha and Mary were going to die again. Everybody there was going to die again. We're going to die again. We're going to die. Pardon me. <laughs> but but uh, death is part of it. It's inevitable. It's not the way it should be. Jesus wept. Uh, we, like Jesus, should not be too comfortable in this current world. Uh, the devil is a, the prince, the ruler of this world. And uh, we have evil in our hearts. We have evil in the world. The devil's out to get us. This isn't to be, to be discouraging. Hopefully, it's to remind us that we need to run to God, to be drawn to God, to rely on God. Um, because this is not our home. We should not be too comfortable here. Uh, there's not too many reasons to be too comfortable in this world as a Christian. Hopefully, that's not the case. So, who's the solution? Acts 1, 9 through 11, we've covered that before during this session, of, during this uh, uh, review of the Apostles' Creed, but it says, And when he had said, said these things, as they were looking on, he was lifted up, 
and a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. So he'll come back in the same way. He's not done. He, he, did a, he fulfilled the greatest need we have when he came the first time, but he's not finished. He's coming back. Scholars have identified 1,845 different biblical references to Jesus' second coming. That's more than his first coming. Uh, the Bible speaks, uh, uh, well, pardon me, the New Testament, Jesus mentioned 21 times himself about his, uh, about his second coming. So why? Is, is, is God like us where he really, if he doesn't mean it unless he says it multiple times? No, we know that's not true, of course. Uh, if God says it once, it's just as true if he said it 1,845 times. So why does he? Numbers 23, 19, as a matter of fact, says, God is not man that he should lie or a son of man that he should change his mind. Has he said and he will not do it? Or has he spoken and will not fulfill it? God's not like us. He doesn't lie. He didn't need to say it 1,800 times for it to be true. Romans 3, 4 says, By no means that God be true, though everyone were a liar, as it is written, that you may be justified in your words and prevail when you are judged. So uh, God's word is true, not the world. If the world or our own hearts say something contrary to God's word, the world and we are wrong. Uh, Thank God that we have the rock of the Bible, the truth, the only truth in this world to rely on. In 1 Corinthians, it says, the cross, the word of God, and the word of God uh, is folly or foolishness to those perishing. To those that are perishing, it's just nonsense. That's what we're going to hear from the world and the lost, from the dying. We should have compassion on them, but we should not abandon the word of God out of unity, if you will. The word of God is our rock and the only truth in this world. John 14, 6 said, Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except me. God cannot lie. He is truth. He is the body, embodiment of truth and love. So why so many reminders? God knows that we, like the disciples, are oftentimes forgetful, distracted, and of little faith. And he also knows the world around us and the ruler of this world will lie and malign God and his word and his people. Uh, so out of his uh, compassion, he reminds us. Second Peter 3, 3 through 4 say, it says, Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Just as they did in the days of Noah, uh, unbelievers, scoffers, will lie and belittle and malign and laugh at believers and at God. God tells us clearly in his word this will happen. We shouldn't be surprised. We should expect that. Uh, and life will be the same in the last days. Uh, 
So scoffers will scoff. Satan will say, did God really say he's coming back again? It's been so long. Look at the world. Look how broken it is. Why would, why would he let this go on so long? The devil will play with you and lie to you. Yes, he's coming back. <laughs> Absolutely, he's coming back. Uh, the Bible tells us that. Do, don't let the world uh, guide your thoughts and your minds and your directions and your loyalty and your love. The last word, God has it. Matthew 24, 27 says, For as the lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will, the, so, pardon me, so will be the coming of the Son of Man. He'll be seen by all. Matthew 25, 31 says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. He won't come quietly this time as a baby with little fanfare. It's going to be, we're all going to know it. It's going to be with the angels. John 14, 2 through 4 says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and take you to myself. That where I am, you may be also. And you know the way to where I am going. Take you to myself. That's the, the God, the creator God that we're blessed and honored to serve. He suffered and died and paid a price that we could not pay. And he's coming back again. Uh, and, and not just coming back, he, he's not just going to send for us. He's going to take us to himself. He's a personal God, a real God, a, a knowable God. Revelation 21, 4 through 7 says, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, Behold, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. And he said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give from the spring of the water of life without payment. The one who conquered will have this heritage, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. No mourning, no pain, no crying, no death, and every tear wiped away. He didn't say, I'm going to wipe away some tears. He didn't say, I'm going to wipe away most tears. He said, I will wipe away all tears, every tear. No more death, no more pain, physical pain, emotional pain. Every hurt wiped away. Our God is loving. He is true. He's personal. He's coming back. Remember when you have doubt, when the devil's lying to you, when the world's lying to you, he told you that would happen. It's consistent. It should reinforce the fact he's coming back. He knows the past. He knows the future. He tells us about our hearts. He tells us everything we need to know despite the lies of the world. So his word is true. He will return for us. He will wipe away every tear and make all things right. Praise God. Please join me in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your goodness, for your love, for your truth. 
for you, you're the embodiment of truth and love, Lord. May you always be our first love, our greatest love. Lord, may we not be distracted. May we not be drawn to the things of this world that will all pass away. Lord, you, the creator God, the eternal one, you, Lord, are, should be our passion. You should be our desire. You and the eternal ones that you have brought into your family, those here in this room and those uh, that are yours uh, throughout the world, Lord, let them be our treasure, be our focus. Everything else is a distraction and as and passing and fleeting, Lord. Uh, you and yours are to be treasured and to be the focus and to be the uh, where our affections uh, and our attention lie, not things of this world, uh, Lord. And we pray that that would be the case with you. Move our hearts, move our minds, Lord, to, to, to do that, to, to be as we should be, to be as you've called us to be. To, Lord, you give us our value, not the things of this world. Remind us of that. May we be faithful. Uh, may we serve you and serve your people. And may we love you well. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Fantastic. Good morning. So good to see you here. My name is Bruce Brown, if you don't remember that. Um, I am honored to be bringing the second part of this sermon and following Dell. Dell did a, you did a fantastic job. I just want to tell you, I know Becky talked bad about you the whole time, but you did fantastic. So Dell got the uh, easy part, and I get the judgy part. And that's okay, because I think y'all are up there, sitting there right now, judging me. And that's good, because what is judgment? Judgment we hear about that and we think about that. Judgment is simply being able to uh, evaluate, to weigh what is correct and what's not correct, to discern, to separate one from the other. And that's all judgment is. The things that we say, the things that we do, and they're weighed by Jesus against what God has said is good and evil. And that's what this whole second coming is about. The second coming, you know, we, th we think about the first coming of Jesus coming as, as a child and coming as a Savior to do the things that we could not do so that we could be judged as righteous and have communion with God. That's, that's something that is fantastic. You know, the Jews were ex was expecting the second coming first. And that's not yet. So, but I'm, I'm getting a little off track, which could happen quite a bit today. Um, the first thing I want to do is I want to go and say, uh, what does it mean in the Apostles' Creed when we say that he's coming to judge the living and the dead? And if you can open your Bibles, I want to start in John chapter 3, in a very familiar verse. 
John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believed in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. And this is the judgment, that the light has come into the world, and people love the darkness, darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come into the light, lest his works be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. So the question is, do you embrace that light? Does that light shine through you? That's, that's where the judgment starts. Do you embrace the light or do you embrace darkness? So we go uh, to the next question. I had four questions. You know, what is judgment? Who will judge us? Who will be judged and how? And my last one was, I don't remember. How can I avoid final judgment? Thank you. So, who is going to judge us? Thank you, Denise. There is one supreme judge of us all, and that's the Lord God. And He alone has the authority to determine what is right and what is wrong and our motives and behaviors. And in the Old Testament, it shows us that. In Psalms chapter 9, verse 8, it says... And he judges the world with righteousness. He judges the peoples with uprightness. And then in Isaiah, chapter 33, verse 22, it says, For the Lord is our judge. The Lord is our lawgiver. The Lord is our king. He will save us. So right there, it, it lets us know God is the judge. He's also the jury, the executioner. As we can see in the times of Noah, where he judged that the world was no longer fit, and he found the one righteous man in his family, he did provide a way to save us. So we come into the New Testament then, and we find something a little bit different. We find that the Father gives his Son all authority and all judgment. And you can find that in John Chapter 5, in verse 22, the Father judges no one, but has given all judgment to the Son. And also in Matthew 28, Jesus himself speaks of this. And he says in verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. So we can see that Jesus... We'll be doing the final, we'll be the final judge. Also in John chapter 12, he talks a little bit more about it. 
in verses 46 through 48. He says, I have come into this world as light, so that whoever believes in me shall not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my words and does not keep them, I do not judge him. For I did not come to judge the world, but to save the world. The one who rejects me and does not receive my words has a judge. And that is the word that I have spoken will judge him on that last day. I'm going to go ahead and read the next two verses too. For I have not spoken on my own authority, but the Father who sent me. For he himself has given me a commandment, what to say and what to speak. And I know that his commandment is eternal life. What I say, therefore, I say as the Father has told me. I like, I like that a lot. Um, Jesus, he came, he came to save us, and then he's coming again in the future. He's coming in his glory, in God's glory, in a way that is just mind-blowing to me. And I cannot conceive exactly how it's going to happen. I just know it is going to happen. As these and many other passages demonstrate, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus will rightly judge humanity, all humanity, and based on each one's faith or rejection of the Son of God and the divinity of Christ. This confession that Christ will come to judge is not an expression of terror and doom, but it is a part of the good news, the gospel. We have a judge that, uh, you know what? We're being judged by someone that knows us inside out. He knows our fears. He knows our strengths. He knows where we come from, where we're going. Each word we're saying, he he says it here in John, you know, he can only say what the, the Lord has commanded him to say. If we give ourselves completely over, we're going to only speak the things that Christ puts in our heart. He knows the reality behind the facade. He he knows right now the shaking I'm going through because I'm up here getting to speak these words. He is also personally committed to us. Christ knows and understands what it means to be human so that we can approach the throne of grace with confidence. And lastly, Jesus We are judged by someone we know and trust. As Christians, we have placed our faith that what he has said is true. So we have to trust that. We have to trust just not that, but everything he says. And the next question was, who will be judged and how will they be judged? Well, in Hebrews 8.23... It says, and just as it is appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. And in 2 Corinthians 5.10, which says, for we must all appear. We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So what it tells me is that all of us, 
are going to be judged. Sinners and saints, believers, unbelievers, those who say they believe and don't. We all will be judged. We all be, will be held accountable for our actions and for that one, that one thing of whether or not we have accepted Him as our Savior. And when Christ comes as a second time and He comes in His glory, will we be judged by our actions, that one action that He, that this judgment goes on. And that's in John 3, 18, which I believe we have already read. Well, I'm going to read it again. Yes. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned. You know, when He comes the second time, some people are going to be terrified. They're going to be scared. And they're going to realize, oh my gosh, what He said was true. I believe, I know, this is going to be a celebration for me. And in Matthew 25, Verses 31 through 34, in verse 41, this is what the, I, I believe the final judgment is going to be like. When the Son of Man comes in His glory, and all the angels with Him, then He will sit on His glorious throne. And before Him will be gathered all the nations, and He will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will place the sheep on His right, but the goats on the left. And then the king will say to those on the right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundations of the world. Then he will say to those on the left, Depart from me, you cursed, into the internal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Can we avoid or just escape this final judgment? No. Absolutely not. We will all have to face this reckoning. And we'll have to do it based on, we can do, either do it based on our own strengths and abilities, which will not be sufficient. Or we can do it with the covering of Christ's redeeming love. We can either have Christ as our prosecuting attorney, or we can have him as our advocate. And for the last word that I have on the final judgment, for Christians, this judgment should be a celebration because we know that we, can, we are going to live with God eternally. And for those of you that may have chosen darkness over the light, this will be a terrifying time. But there's good news there too. It's not come yet. There is still time for God to work on your heart, for you to listen to His Word, and for you to possibly change your heart with the Gospel, with the good news. And that's what I have to say about that. However, I am compelled to touch on one other type of judgment in these times of division and in these times 
of uncertainty. We all feel uncertain of things. The other type of judgment I do want to just briefly touch on is the judgment that we, as a body of Christ, have for each other. I know we, we hear a lot not to judge. And that's really not true. We have to have judgment. We have to be able to use that judgment properly. Um, we have to be able to use it based on the love and commitment we have as brothers and sisters in Christ. We have to be informed and understanding of what that person is going through. And in the words of Bo Diddley, before you accuse me, you better take a look at yourself. We have to be aware that we are also insufficient in ourselves and we need Christ just as much as everybody else. In other words, when we see our brother or sister and we see them doing something that we know is not right, we have to be willing to come up to them and stand beside them and talk to them in loving ways and point them in the correct way. And that's just something I felt I needed to say. I, it makes me think of uh, when Christ met the Samaritan woman at the well, he did not condemn her. Even though he knew everything she had done, he had, and, and the life that she had led, and the reason she was there in the middle of the day instead of the normal times, he knew those things already. And yet he, he went along beside her and talked to her, and showed her the way, and shared the good news with her. And she walked away a changed woman. And that's something I think as Christians we need to be able to do also. Uh, thank you all for listening and putting up with me. And uh, I would like to close in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, Lord God Almighty, I just praise your name. I praise your name because of who you are, what you are, what you have done for us, and what you are going to do for us. Lord, I just uh, thank you so much for this family called River Valley that we ha I have that I can hold so dear and close and feel love from. Lord, I just, I, I, you know my heart. And how I feel for every person in the seats here. And for the leadership that we have. For us taking your, your word and diving into it as the final authority of everything. for the ability of these people to unconditionally love each other and to show your love and your mercy and grace to each other. Lord, as the day goes on, I pray that we remember, Lord, that you, you are the final solution, that you love us you have saved us. You have provided a way for us to be saved. 
And as we head over to the new building today, that we remember that we have accepted you as the light. We've chosen the light and that we let it reflect through us so others may see. In your name I pray. Amen. Thank you both.